Today's Dav is supposed to be Tzadikhes. We're still on Tzadikhes. So we're going to give this a title, Tzadikhes Part 2. And um, hopefully we'll figure out over the next day how to catch up. We, yesterday we brought down the Shita of Rav. Rav had said that the, 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 in the Machlokas, there was Machlokas Chachamim and Rav Meir. So uh, Rav had said that, it seemed to have said that the, the halacha goes like Rav Meir. We're talking about a situation when you had an animal, stolen animal, and it got old, or you stole an evident and got old, that the Chachamim in the Mishnah said that you cannot say to the person, take it back, because it's considered to be a significant change in the item, and you're kona it, it becomes yours, and you have to pay kishaz akzeil, whatever was worth the time of the theft. And Rav Meir in the Mishnah said, you can't say that in the case of uh, the Evet, because an Evet Kanani is like Karka, and there's no Kinyon Exela in Karka. You can't own Karka, and therefore, whatever Shinoi occurs in it is still considered to be the original owners, and that allows you, therefore, to say, Arachel Chola Fanecho. And Rav said the halacha goes like Rav Meir. And the Gemara wanted to know, why is he poskening like the minority opinion over the majority opinion? And the Gemara pointed out is that really that's not what Rav is doing. Rav actually had either one or two brises that had the positions reversed. That it's the Chachamim that compared the uh, Eved to Karka and not Rav Meir. And when Rav, Rav was saying the halacha is like Rav Meir, it's like Rav Meir the, of the version of our Mishnah. But in fact, he's passing like the Chachamim of the two Bryces that hold that Shita, and he is passing like the majority opinion. So that's where we, uh, that we left off. So Rav Taka is passing that we compare an Eved to Karka, even for the laws of Kinyon Exela. That's what it says. And that we, we, we left off yesterday. Mi Amarav, Tavab Tzadi Zayin Amadal. Or Mi Amarav, so what is it like this? Umi Rav. Did Rav really say that Avda is Kimikarkoi? So again, top of Tzad design. Did Rav really rule that an Evid is considered to be like Karkadami? Iva Amarav Daniel Barkatina Amarav. Amarav is the critical point here. You're going to see a ruling that Daniel Barkatina said in the name of Rav. Now, just to preface this like we did yesterday, is that we have to understand that the Kinyanic Zela, that the, which means that you now have acquired it in terms of it, you are liable for the item when you steal. So it's, a, it's akin to acquiring something. So there is another case when if you take something, you, you're responsible and you're liable for it. That's when you rent or you lease an item. So there too, there's also Kinyanim over it that you have liability responsibilities. But there's a huge difference between a person whose liability comes because he rents it as a person whose liability comes because he stole it. And what's the difference? The difference is as follows, is that a thief does, uh, is not responsible for paying based on his usage. Whether he uses it or he doesn't use it is immaterial. His liability is what was this value at the time that he stole it? And if he can return it and it's worth the same amount as it was at the time of when he stole it, so then gives it back. The fact that he might have used it in the interim has no bearing. He's not liable for the usage of it. Even if he benefited from the usage of it, makes no difference because his responsibility is to return the item at the value that it was at the time that he stole it. 
Whereas a person that rents or leases an item, it's, exact, it, it's the opposite. It doesn't matter what it was at the time when you leased it or when you rented it, as long as he's not negligent with the item and he uses it, even if it's degraded based on the usage, but it's normal usage, he can give it back as is, he just, but he pays for the usage. The renter is paying for the usage of the item. So whereas the renter pays for usage, the, the thief does not pay for usage, but he has to pay either give back the item or replacement cost of the item. That's a huge difference. Now, based on that, keeping that in mind, take a look at the following ruling that was said in the name of Rav. Case is that a person illegally seized somebody else's evan, okay? and went and did melacha with it, Potter, he is exempt for paying for the benefits of the melacha that he did, right? Now, means what? As long as he returns the Eved, as long as he can return the Eved to the owner, then he has returned the Gzela, the Chora, and he doesn't have to pay for the usage. Now, what does that tell you about how Rav used this theft of a slave. The Chora, it can't be like Karka. Because it would be like Karka, you cannot make a Kenyan in Karka. So then if you can't make a Kenyan in Karka, so then you're not paying for it as a Goslin or as a Ghanav, because you can't make the king of Goslin. So what should you then be paying for? You should be paying for the usage. And yet, Rav says, when you steal an Evid, you don't pay for the usage of it, as long as you can return it to the person at the value it was when you stole it. So this would seem to say that you could have Kenyan Exela in an Evid, and that we don't compare an Evid to a piece of property. That's the Gemara's question. Why are you potter from the usage of the Eved? The, the Eved should always be viewed as, as if it's still in the, room, in the, in the uh, domain of the original owner. The thief cannot have Kenyan Exela in it if it's considered to be like Karka. And therefore the thief should be paying like a renter, should pay a usage fee. Every time he uses it, that's what he should be paying for. Tomorrow says, you're right. However, the reason why he does not have to pay for the usage really is tied into something that we learned many moons ago. We had way back on Dav Chav Aleph, we had the following concept, and I'm just going to uh, touch on it because the Gemara is going to bring it down in a moment. The Gemara said as follows, is that let's say you have a property and somebody breaks into the property, not necessarily damage, picks the lock, goes into the property and sleeps there for the night. Do, do you have the right to charge him for usage of the property? And what did the Gemara say? The Gemara said it really depends. <clears throat> because if this is a, a, a rental property that you normally rent, then you can charge him the rate of what you normally would rent it for. But if it is a property that you just happen to have, you don't use it, it's left without, uh, it's left unoccupied, and the person used it, did not cause any damage to the property, 
You don't have a right to charge him a rental use if you don't normally charge a rental. It's considered to be one person benefited, but but it did not cause you any loss. So if it's he benefited and you do not have a loss on it, you cannot charge him for it. It's a concept, a difficult concept, a little to understand, but that is the rule, that if you normally would charge rental, right, then you can charge him. But if you don't normally charge rental, then you cannot charge him. That's the din. So the more says like this, the case over here also is the same thing, is that we're talking about that, let's say the normal time that you use an Evid, let's say your Evid would be used, he gets up at seven o'clock in the morning, he works until six o'clock in the, after, in the evening, and nighttime you don't work him. Nighttime he doesn't work. The thief stole the Eved, he told, stole the Eved at nine o'clock at night, and that's when he worked him for a couple of hours. There you don't have a right to charge him for the work. Technically, you would be allowed to, because we said is that since it's, does, it's like, like a, a, a property, if it's like property, you then, then you can charge him for, for rental, but you can only charge him for rental if it is at a time where you normally would be using him yourself. But since you're not normally using him yourself at that time, you cannot charge him for the usage that he does. That is the Amora's terrets over here. So let's see it inside. So says the Gemara, it's Shalom B'Sha'as Malacha, that the thief stole the Evet at a time when you don't normally use the Evet. So it wasn't a loss to you. And again, we have to be saying is that there's no significant deterioration of the Evet for the usage of that time. This will be learned on Tavchav Aleph. That which Rabbi Abba sent Lamari Barmar to Lamari Barmar. Boy, me name Ravuna. That when you encounter Ravuna, ask him the following question: Hadar Chavero. If somebody went and he trespassed, and he went and he spent the night in his friend's courtyard, Shalomi died without him knowing. All right, and we and Agmar clarified over there that it's a courtyard that you don't normally charge rent. Do you uh, can you charge him for rent, or can you not charge him for rent from having used it without your knowledge? So what it says, Vishal Chulei and Rav Huna sent back is that since you don't normally charge rent from it, so he's using it in a manner that's not detracting from what you would normally get for it. Therefore, as long as there's no damage, he does not have to pay you. That was the conclusion there. And that's the shot over here too. You're right. It's not considered to be Kenyan Exela. It's like it's like a rental because he doesn't he can't he can't, oh, he can't make a Kenyan in the Evet because he can't make a Kenyan in cargo. So then you should be able to charge him a rental fee. But you can't charge him the rental the usage uh, for the usage because he's using it at a time when you don't normally do it. So it's, a, it's considered to be Zenana. He's benefiting, but you're a low chaser, but you're not considered to have lost anything. And that's why your potter, that's the shot in Rav Daniel Bar Katina Amarav. Someone says like this. Someone says like this. Achi Hashem. Someone says one second. Is that really comparable? And this goes back again to the Chaf because the Gemara said on Chaf Aleph that there's two aspects here. Number one, it's not a rental. Okay, it's not a rental. So therefore, charging in the normal rental fees, you can't charge because you don't normally charge rental for it. But there's also another component that the Gemara threw in. And in fact, him being there 
is not really detrimental, but there is an aspect of it being beneficial to the owner. Why is it beneficial to the owner? He says that there's a practical reason and there's a mystical reason. The practical reason is, for example, if you have a property that doesn't get lived in and they don't use the faucets and they don't use the uh, electricity and they don't use, what ends up happening if it goes a while without usage? Right? What happens? Anybody? What's that? Things stop working because of lack of usage? Things stop use, things decay and become decrepit because of a lack of usage. So on a practical level, him going in and using it a couple of days actually enhances the property. And, and, and the second thing is, there also is a certain type of shade, there's a demon that affects and attacks properties that are not being used. And therefore, by him being there, he protected you on that level too. So Moses says like this, so I understand in the uh, case of the rent, uh, of the property, first of all, it's not a rental. Second of all, he's doing something beneficial to you. Good. So therefore you don't charge him. But here, by an evid, there's no, there's no concept of you, that, 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 that there's a shade associated with not being used or, or that the pipes are going to get. So the chora over here, what benefit? In fact, it, it, it weakens the slave. So why is it a, a considered to be a benefit to the owner? And the owner should be able to charge him something. You're right, it's a time at night when he doesn't usually work him. But at my, so the reason he doesn't work him at night is he should be able to restore his energy, should be able to be, be able to work better the next day, and you've done taking that away. So why can't you charge him something? That's the Gemara's question. One second. Can you compare the two? Hasam there. Bain land, no matter whether you go according to the opinion, Beisa makes for Yosef that uh, a house that is lived in, Nikhale, is considered to be preferable to one that's left empty because of practical reasons that it keeps it from becoming decrepit. And bang, the man of our weather, you all like the mystical reason. Uh, the, as the Pasuk says, there's the Pasuk in Yeshaya. It says, Usha'iya Yukashar, that there is some type of uh, demon called Sha'iya, that this Sha'iya destroys the gate, means it destroys the house, the, the, in, the, in the confines of the, of the gates of, of the property will be destroyed by the demon if it is not used. Right? So, Nicha, there's a benefit there too. But here, what, of what benefit is there for somebody to, that if you, you, you steal his evidence nine o'clock at night when he should be resting and restoring his energy, and in fact you're depleting his energy, so therefore what benefit is there? So you should be able to charge him. Here too there is a benefit. What's the benefit? To low listery avdi. It stops the evid from becoming lazy. Every once in a while, making him work a little more than usual is beneficial. It teaches good work habits. So therefore, bottom line is, you can't charge him the rent because you don't normally use it at that time, the, the, the rental of the evid. And it actually is beneficial to you on some level too. And that's why Ketina Rav said he's potter. But in fact, uh, Rav does hold that an evid is compared to Karka. And under normal circumstances, if he stole the evid at a time when you normally would use the evid, then Taki would have to pay for the usage of the evid. Mora continues. 
The Mora says that the practice of Rabbi Yosef Bar Chama was that people that were delinquent, people that owed him money, he would come and seize their slaves. The Masig Bezuzas, he would take the take the Avadim of people that owed him money, and he would work these Avadim while they were with him. So Amale, the Girs is Rava. Amale Rava Beret. This could be the actual Rava, Rava Barachama. So it says that uh, uh, no, I don't know, Rava Bar Yosef, not Rava. So what's it like this? So it says that 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 Rava, his son, said to him, he says, My time Avid Marachi. He says, Why do you think that that's okay to do? So Amale, so his father said to him, Dam Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman made a statement that Avda that a slave, noam kresa loishavi. A slave, you know, the productivity of a slave is not even worth the food that you feed him. So therefore, I'm in fact doing something beneficial to the to the debtors because I am feeding the slaves. So the fact that I'm working them offsets a little bit of the food. But Rav Nachman said that generally, in most, uh, well, we'll see if it's in most cases or not, but generally an Eved does not even work to the extent of how much his upkeep is worth. So it's not like I'm taking anything away from these owners. I'm actually feeding them so the work that I get doesn't even offset the food. So therefore, I'm not really doing anything wrong. So Amalek, so Rav said to him, Rav his son said to him, one second, Rav Nachman made that statement. He wasn't talking about all Avodim. He was talking about specifically his own Evan. Amar to Amar Rav Nachman. When did Rav Nachman say that? If you're going Daru. Rav Nachman had his servant. His name was Daru. Daru Avde. And this Daru liked to party. And he used to go whenever he could to go hang out in the bars and entertain and dance in the bars in order to get wine. He was paid back in wine. So he liked wine. And therefore, that servant did not really, was not really productive for Rav Nachman. So by that servant, Rav Nachman said that I'm lucky if I even make the upkeep of what it costs me to feed him. But that's only that Evid, but generally an Evid's productivity way out, uh, out, out, uh, out weighs the, uh, the, the, the food that, I've, that you feed him. So Moses is like this. So Kikundaru Avde, the Merakid, that he would be, uh, that he would uh, entertain and dance around Beikuvi in the bars, in the taverns. So therefore, but Kula Avdi, but the rest of the slaves, Mebed Avdi, they work well and they actually are, they, their, their productivity is more than is fed. So back to the question, why do you think it's okay to use the slaves of others without permission, even if they owe you the money? So Amalei Anakur Rav Daniel Sfirali. He says, I actually hold like Rav Daniel. What is Rav Daniel? We just learned Rav Daniel Barakatina Amarav. So Amarav Daniel Barakatina Amarav. Hatokim Avdeh Shachavero. That he was talking about something he did it illegally. Somebody who steals an Eved from his friend and Vazabah Malacha and he works the Eved as long as you work the Eved at a time where the Eved would not normally work. He'll be Potter. So therefore, and so we see that I, at the end of the day, but you should you should have to pay for the benefit unless there is a benefit from working the evan. I I agree there is a benefit working the evan. I'm teaching the evan not to be lazy, which offsets whatever benefit there should be received. It, 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 
coupled with the fact that I'm only going to use the Avarim at times, I only would take them and use them at times where they were not being used by their owners. So, the Gemara says like this, Rava now gets down to the crux of the matter. Rava said like this, he said, you cannot compare. Rav Katina was talking about, Daniel Bar Katina, Amar Rav, was talking about a situation where a person stole an Evid, out of the blue, steals an Evid without any prior history, and then he uses it at a time when the Evid wasn't normally used. So he said that there's no payment made at that point, you just give back the Evid, good. He says, but by you there is a prior history. Why are you seizing these Avodim? Because the person owes you money. Okay? Now, when you go ahead and use that Evid, even though you could argue, I'm not, I don't owe him any money for it because I'm using it at a time when he himself would not normally use it, but to the observer, when that guy comes back, he's going to pay you. He owes you $10,000, going to pay you back $10,000. You're going to give him back the Evid. But you use that Evid. What does it look like? Ribbis. Looks like ribbis. It's not actual ribbis because oh, you don't owe him the money. So the bottom line is you don't owe him the money. It's not actual, but it looks like it's Mexican ribbis. It looks like ribbis, and that's why you should not be doing it. That's the problem over here. So Amalei, the case of the Ganev, you were not. The case of the Ganev, you were not. There, there, there was no pre-existing loan. So the Ganev stole the Evid, used it, does not have to pay for it. Okay, no harm, no foul. But over here, but Mar, you, my master, my my father, he says, you came into Masik Behuzuzi since you have a, 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 they owe you the money. You're their creditor. They owe you the money. Magzik Ribis. It looks like Ribis. The Amar of Yosef Arminyumi, Amar of Nachman. That, and and that, what I'm saying is supported by the statement. Rav Yosef Arminyumi said in the name of Nachman, Av Alpi, Sha'amru, even though the halacha is that Adar Daito, that if you trespass and you go and live in a courtyard without the knowledge of the owner, and it's not a property. That he, that he normally takes rent for, and it's also in a way that doesn't cause him any damage, ain't so even though that is the aloha, like we learned on Chav Aleph, hilvohu, but if you lent him money, and then you go ahead and do it, you need to pay for the usage of the property. Why do you have to pay for the usage of the property? Because if you don't pay for the use of the property, it looks like ribis, and therefore you would have to pay. So here too, you don't have a right to use the avodim without paying for them. So he said, I will retract, I will stop doing what I am doing. Now, if you would have um, simply said, you owe me $10,000, and I used your slave for a week, so that was worth $1,000, now you owe me nine. Right, that is, that is one way that you could have done it as well. There's a set to, we're gonna learn by Metziah, Ezuneshech, there are ways to do that, that, that's uh, a, uh, Mashkon, Mashkona de Sura, I think there's a name for it, that it, the usage takes off from the principle, so you'd be allowed to do it in such a way. Okay. Itmar. 
Here now we have, a, it seems to be a machlokas. We're going to work our way there. It's not a machlokas. So it was stated. The case over here was a person seized, seized the ship of his friends. So he stole somebody's boat. And then he used it, he used it for, for his own work, right? So now, let's take a look. A boat is not land and it's not an Eved. So therefore, you could have Kenyon Xela in a boat. Now, if you look at it from the status of being a Xela, so then what would you owe the person who you stole it from? Stole someone's boat and you went ahead and you used it. Okay, now you get caught or you do tshuva and you want to give it back. What do you owe the guy if it was Xayla? Okay. Just the product, I think, right? Just the boat. Even though you used it, but that's no different than any other thief. Yeah, you give back the boat and as long as it's in, as long as there's been no damage, then you can give it back as is. If there's been damage, then you're going to have to pay the full value of what it was worth at the time that you stole it. But the fact that you used it has no bearing on what you owe the guy, number one. However, if we would look at it like a rental, then what? Need it for the wear and tear. Not only the wear and tear, but you, would, you, would, no, you would have to pay the rent, not the wear and tear. The rental, if you used it as a rental without being negligent, and even if there would be some wear and tear, which is normal, that goes into the rental fee. That's why when you rent, when you rent a car, there's going to be added mileage on it. That's understood, right? You don't have to pay it unless it goes. You're negligent. It goes past the amount it was not supposed, right? But otherwise, that, so therefore, Rav seems to say over here is it's up to the owner how he wants to view this. He can either view this as a theft and then take back the item as is, all right? Or if he wants, he could t- look at it, take it, look at it as a rental and charge the person for the usage for the rental. Now, what the horror, what's gonna be, what, why would you wanna do one over the other? So I'll tell you why. If there's been a huge wear and tear, then what would you prefer to charge the person? How would you prefer to charge him? Like a thief or like a renter? Like a renter, you're gonna get, yeah, you're gonna Incorrect, get a incorrect. If you have a, a large wear and tear and you charge him like a renter, the only thing you can collect is the rental fee. That might not necessarily cover the wear and tear. But if you charge him like a Ghanav, he has to give you replacement value of what it was at the time of the theft. So really, Rav is saying, you be smart. Decide whether you want to, if let's say nothing happened to the ship or the wear and tear was very little, so in such a case, charge the rent. You're getting it back anyway, and then you get the additional rent. But if there's been a huge wear and tear that might be even more than the rental, you don't want to be taking the rental because you can't do both. So then you'd, then you'd want to make him pay like a Ghanav that he has to pay your replacement cost of the boat. Make sense? Guys? Yes? Yeah, it makes sense, it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Itmar, 
So therefore, like this. So I'm a Rav. Ratzo, he has a choice. Either schara noto, either take the rental fee, or Ratzo, if he uh, wants, prosa noto, take the amount of money that there's been for the a depreciation of the boat, which would be as a ganav. Charge him as a ganav, and then he has to pay for the deep, for the, the, the depreciation, the the, 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 the the wear and tear on the boat. He has to give you back the full value of the boat. So you have a choice. You can't do both, but choose one or the other. Shmuel seems to disagree. Shmuel Amar, Shmuel says, at the end of the day, you cannot make it into a rental if it wasn't a rental. Therefore, the only thing you can charge the person for is the value of the boat. And if there's been a depreciation, physical depreciation of the boat, you make the person pay the surplus, pay the extra amount to make up for it. But as a thief, you cannot charge for usage as a rental. That is what seemed to be a pretty straight up machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. Comes along, Amara Papa Pligi. They actually are not disagreeing. Why aren't they disagreeing? It says you have to know what kind of a boat is this. If this was a rental boat, then Shmuel would agree with Rav. If it was a boat that was generally used for rental, then you have a right to say what? Rental or depreciation? Rental over depreciation. But, and that's, where, that's what Rav was going on. When Shmuel says you don't have a right to say that, was talking about a boat that was not used as a rental. If it's not a boat that used a rental, that's where Shmuel says you don't have a charge, you don't have a right to say, oh, pay me the rental, because you you it's not usually a rental. Then you have to deal with it as a ganav, and he's gonna have to make up the depreciation because he has to pay a full value what it was worth at the time when it's stolen. So therefore, Rav is saying there is no machlokus. All right, so now, there's another way to say there's no machlokas, and you have to understand the difference between both turutsim, but what's the second way? In both cases, this boat was a rental. So what's, why is there no machlokas? I'll tell you why. He says that there has to be indication as to what the person's intent was. Meaning if you have an indication that this person, this person saying, I want to rent it. I want to rent the boat. And then, but he couldn't find the owner or the owner wasn't there to, 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 uh, uh, to, to rent it to him or did not want to rent it to him. So then you have a right to charge him as a renter because you see that he indicated that he wanted to rent it. But if the guy came at three o'clock in the morning and snuck in and stole it, so then clearly what? His intent was not- I'm gonna steal. Then in such a case, that's what Shmuel says, you don't have a right because he's clearly a straight up ganav, then you don't have a right to charge him as a renter. So therefore, the two different terutsim, but both of these terutsim want to show that actually Rav and Shmuel agree they're not arguing whether or not you can charge him as a renter or as a goslin. It just depends on the circumstances. Either the first answer is it is a rental and, uh, and, and Shmuel's the one when it's not a rental, or the second answer, both cases are rental, but one there was clear indications he wanted to rent it, and one there was clear indications he wanted to steal it. Let's go weiter. Okay. So we learned in a Mishnah, there'll be a Lomdash locus over here. We learned in a Mishnah like this, that if you stole a coin, and Nizdak means it's split. It's split, literally it cracked open. 
So you cannot go back to the guy and say, take your coin back. You have to replace the coin, right? So he said, however, we, if in fact you stole a coin and it was nifsal, nifsal, the chorah means became disqualified. We'll see the, the level of that, but generally means it's out of circulation. So in such a case, we said, you could say to him, Continued the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that what happens if you stole Truma and it became Tomei, or you stole Chometz and it was Avraham Pesach, you can also say to the guy, take it back. So now we're going to have a Machlokas Amaroyim here, when it says that it was Nifsal, the coin became disqualified, what does that exactly mean? So let's go through the opinions. Amaravuna. Nizdak is Nizdak Mamish. Nizdak means that actually the physical coin became split. It's split open and you cannot give it back, you have to replace it. And Nifsal is Pasalta Malchus. Nifsal means it became disqualified by the Malchus, by the reigning monarch. Meaning like this, is that, that this was common. If one con- country conquered another country or a different monarch came to power, they would disqualify the coins of the previous Malchus. Because generally, what was on the coins? The image of the monarch? Or yes, they would, something that it was lauded the previous monarchy. So they would actually disqualify it that it cannot be used anywhere within the kingdom. And sometimes it actually was a capital offense to be caught with these coins. You actually had to get rid of them. <coughs> Point is, comes along Rab and he says that when it says Nifsal is Pesalta Malchus is the Malchus disqualified it and it's not fit to be used anywhere. Rabbi Yehuda disagreed. Rabbi Yehuda said Pesalta doesn't mean it was universally disqualified. Pesalta means that uh, Pesalta Malchus if it's on that level of disqualification that it cannot be used anywhere in the kingdom so then, then it's the same thing as splitting. It's the same thing as if it's split open and you would not be allowed to give it back to the owner. So then what does it mean in the Mishnah when it says nifsal? He says, So what is nifsal? That in the same monarchy there were different provinces and sometimes whatever the reason was, in one province, they did not allow the usage of this coin. They had a different coin to be used. But you could go over to the next province in the same kingdom and you could use the coin. So in that case, even though it's not actual currency in this province, but it is currency in the next door province, that's why you can give it back to the owner. Even in this province, you can give it back because they could go and use it in the next province. But says Rabbi Yehuda, but if it became so disqualified that, that the, by the kingdom that it's really out of commission, it's totally out of circulation, then it's no different than being split. And therefore, and what would the aloha be under such circumstance? You would not be allowed to tell the person, here, take back your coin. You'd have to replace it. Okay, let's keep going. So now, Amalei Rav Chista Rav Huna. So Rav Chista 
Ask Rav Huna the following question. Ledi dach, according to you, to Amart Nifsal, is Paslosa Malchus, that you hold Nifsal, where you could give it back, is talking about where it's completely disqualified by the monarch. Sahare Peros Verkivu. The case, the Mishnah said that if you have fruits, you stole fruits, and they rotted. Yayin, you stole wine. Vehichmitz, and it went sour. How is that any different than the case of a coin that cannot be used in any locale anymore that's completely disqualified? And yet, Viktani, the Mishal said, but by the wine where it became uh, vinegar or by the fruit that became rotten, so that it says over there, you can't give it back to the owner and say, take it as is. You have to pay what it was at the time when it was stolen. So the Chorah, so why by the coin, if it's the Chorah, he says it's the same thing, it's completely disqualified, it's, it's useless. So why by the coin are you able to say, take it back? What's the difference? So Amalais, Ravuna says a big difference. Hasam Nishtana time of Arecho. In the case of the wine and the case of the fruit, there's been a physical change. The taste, the smell, there's a physical change in the essence of the item. But in the case of the coin, is there any physical change in the item? No. In this case, there's been no change in the item itself, and therefore it's called the Hezek a Nikr. It's not a discernible damage, and since it's not a discernible damage, therefore, at least in Beistin, in Shemayim, you might be nailed on it, but in Beistin, you can tell the guy, take back, this is what I stole. So this goes according to the way Rav Huna understood. Amalei Rav Rav Yehuda. So Rav asked a question on Rav Yehuda. What did he ask him? Say like this: Ledi Dach, according to you, to Amar Pesalta Malchus, that you didn't agree with Ravuna. You held that if it's completely disqualified by the monarch and there's no province that's willing to accept it, it's completely out of circulation. Then Hainun Then it is considered like it's split. Right? And you would not be able to give it back. So, Chorah, how do you understand the difference then between the case of the coin that's completely disqualified? You said, Hare Truma. We have Truma that nitmes. You stole Truma from a coin and it became Tame. All right? Or you have Chomets and it was Avra Pesach, a bottle of whiskey, Avra Pesach. That there we say uh, that, that uh, you could give it back. Now, the Chorah, if you ask me, says Rava, I don't see a difference between Truma becoming disqualified, becoming Tomei, and a coin becoming completely disqualified. Either way, it's a Hezek She'ed a Nikr, it's not discernible. So why by the coin do we say that it's like split and you can't give it back, and by the case of the Truma, we say that you could give it back to the Kohen. The Chippah should be the same thing as when the, uh, the, it's completely disqualified by the monarch, Right, Dami, Viktani, and yet the halacha is in the case of Truma, in the case of Chomets, you're able to say, whereas in the case of the coin, you wanted to say that it was completely uh, disqualified. It's like a case of being split. You can't answer. There, you see, it's not based on physical change, because there's no physical change in the item in the case when it's completely disqualified, and therefore, and still you hold in the case of the coin, you can't give it back. So, why can't you give back the coin, but you could give back the truma, you could give back the chametz? What is the difference between that? Everyone, the other question. 
So Amale, so the Mar says, I'll tell you the difference. The difference is as follows. Is that if you get 10 Kohanim standing here and you pull out a truma that two days ago touched a dead Sheretz and you show them the truma, can they tell that this truma became Tomei? Yes or no? No. No. If you pull out a bottle of whiskey, you got yourself a, uh, a McCallum uh, 40, whatever, and you pull it out and you put it on the table, and even though this three months ago was Pesach and it went, was over Pesach, but you put it on the table, can they tell that this has become disqualified? Yes or no? No. No. But if you pull out a coin, even though there's been no physical change to it, but this has a previous Malchus stamp on it, can people tell you that it's been disqualified? Yes or no? Yes. yes, that's the difference. So therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, a hezek she'ena nikr, a non-discernible hezek, is not about the physical change. It's about the awareness that you have when you look at it. That's what makes the dis- difference. So if you're able to see that this is disqualified, even if there's no be a physical change, you cannot give it back to the person. But if you're not able to be tell the difference, that's a hezek shenikah, and you're able to give it back. So I'm min the In the case of the uh, of the of the truma or the chomet, you cannot discern. You cannot discern that there's been any damage. But hacha, in the case of the coin, minkar hezekah, there's clearly a discernible damage. Everybody knows you cannot use this anymore. Itmar. The way Rashi sets up this case, we're not going to get into why he learns it this way, but it's all about a case where this used to be a common practice that you have a person, I guess you could call him a jobber, not, it's like a jobber, but you basically, somebody comes to you and says, listen, I don't, have, I don't have any assets right now, but if you front me a certain amount of merchandise, I know that I can go and make a sale on them and I can come back and I will pay you uh, a, a set amount either way. Whether I make more money on it, whether I make less money on it, I'll pay you the set amount. So basically, let's say it was 10 seller. You, get, you give me, you give me uh, your uh, uh, 100 bushels of wheat and I will pay you in three months 10 seller. Now what happened is, in the interim, in the interim, the locale where this transaction took place, they disqualified Sloyim, they brought in a new coin. Okay? The question is, guy comes back in three months and he wants to pay 10 Sela. Is he allowed to give 10 Sela or does he have to use the new currency? Okay, that's the question. I would take the new currency. Let's, so let, let's, let's see. Let's see. So, all right. Now, Raji says that this doesn't work in a, in a regular loan. In a regular loan, for sure, you'd have to give the new currency. What's the difference? Take a look at Tosfos. Itmar. Hamal was chaver al A person that lent money, fronted him merchandise. That's what he meant. Tied to the coin. A certain coin. Ten seller. I'm giving you the merchandise. You have to pay me back the ten seller in three months. For Nifzula, in the interim, that coin became disqualified. Nifzula Matbeah. Rav Amar, no sinlo Matbeah Hayotza Be'osisho. Rav says he has to use the coin that's acceptable at the time of when he pays back, at that time. Which means, like you said, Adam, you agree with, uh, with, with Rav, 
that it has to be the current coin that you pay back with. Shmuel disagrees. Shmuel says, and this is going to be a point, Shmuel says, if it is not a universal disqualification, but let's say it's only a disqualification in the current locale, so then, Meishan was a name of a, an area, a place in an area in Bavel. He says, you can still go spend that money in Meishan. So therefore, in Meishan, it's got still, it's in circulation. And therefore, you can pay him in it, even though currently, here you can't use it. It still has a din of currency as long as what? It can be used It can be used somewhere else. It can be used somewhere else. Now, so that's the machloikas here. Shmuel says it has to be current currency, and according to, I mean, Rab says it has to be current currency. Shmuel says it doesn't have to be current, it could be somewhere else that still makes it available to use it, you, uh, use it in the local place where it cannot be used. So I'm Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman quantified, qualified, not qualified, quantified, qualified the statement of Shmuel. So Rav Nachman says, Mestavra Milsa de Shmuel. Shmuel's din only makes sense. He says, that you know where the seller, the guy, the, the lender, that the lender has on his agenda to go to Meishan. He does business in different places, a businessman, and you know that he has on his trajectory where he's going to end up over the next two, three months, he's going to end up in Meishan. Then you're allowed to give him a coin. But to expect that I'm going to give him a coin now that he has to go out of his way to a place that he didn't plan on going, then even Shmuel will agree that what? You'd have to pay the right currency. Correct. That's, so therefore, so we have Machlob's Rav and Shmuel, and then we have the qualification of Shmuel's position according to Rav Nachman. Rav says you always have to have local currency. It cannot, if it's not good here, you can't use it. You have to use whatever the currency right now. Shmuel says you could use a currency that's used somewhere else, even if it's disqualified right here. But, says Rav Nachman, that's only if you know that the guy plans on going there. If the guy wasn't planning on going there, you cannot give it back to him. But if he does not have a plan of going on the path to Meishan, you cannot give it back. Now, Eisve Rabbi Rav Nachman. Rav is going to ask a question on this qualification of Rav Nachman. Now, we're going to talk about now Meiser Shani. Meiser Shani is, cannot be eaten anywhere except for Yerushalayim. However, the Torah is lenient to expect people to take tons and tons of produce of Meiser Shani to Yerushalayim would be outrageous, would be very difficult to do. So what is the loophole the Torah allows? You can go and con- de- you deconsecrate the produce onto money, take the money up to Yerushalayim, and then you can buy any type of food stuff. There's a list of things you can buy. It doesn't have to be specifically produce. It can be meat. You can buy, you can buy that in Korbanas. You can use that Meiser in Yerushalayim. Now, what does, I think it is a, uh, a Tosefta, it's not a, it's not, it's a Brisa, it's not a Mishnah, but it says as follows, You're not allowed to deconsecrate produce on money that is not in circulation. For example, If a person has in his possession coins that were Yerushalayim coins, from the era of, uh, of, of Bar Kokhva. Bar Kokhva is known as Bar Koziva. Koziva is a falsehood. They thought it was going to be Mashiach, they ended up being Mashiach. But this Bar Kokhva, when he rebelled 
for a few years against the Romans, he printed his own coins. So they were Bar Kokhva coins. And the Romans, obviously, when they put down the rebellion, what did they declare about these coins? Void. Void. You can't use them. Exactly. I mean, capital offense to hold on to them. So therefore, if a person has these coins, your Shalmi Koziva coins, he cannot redeem his payrolls. He cannot deconsecrate his payrolls onto these coins because these are not in circulation. Or if he has any coins from earlier kings, from earlier kings, from the kings that say Jewish kings before the Romans took over, can't use them again because those coins are not in circulation. Now, you cannot deconsecrate. Now, the Gemara is Medayat. This is the inference that Rava is making. But it's Majma that if you have latter kings, later kings, that in some way are like the earlier kings, but not completely. They're like the earlier kings, that they cannot be used here, but they're not completely like the earlier kings because they could still be used in other places. Then what? Mechalolin, you're allowed to, de- you would be allowed to deconsecrate the payros onto them. So basically what we see is, it's saying is that you could deconsecrate on payros if it could be used somewhere else. Now the point, this is the way Rashi's is with the question. The point is, this guy, where is he planning on going? Right, he's not planning on going somewhere else. And still, what do we see that according to the Brisa, you're allowed to deconsecrate onto these coins. So therefore, what do you see? There's a kasha on the qualification of Rav Nachman. Now, why it's not a kasha on Rav as well, I'm not going to get into that beyond the scope. But it's a kasha on Rav Nachman's qualification because Mashmeh doesn't have to be specifically to the place you're going. It could be uh, considered as currency. Just as long as somewhere it's considered currency, it's Mashmeh, you're allowed to go ahead and use it. So therefore, so what are you going to say? So Amalei, Hachamai Askinon, Keshein Malchiz Makbido Zualzu. What you have to say is as follows is in the case of the Brisa, which implies you don't have to be going there. As long as you could go there, it's talking about there were different attitudes that the, the, the reigning authorities had over coins from a previous monarchy. In some cases, they weren't so strict. They disqualified them, they cannot be used, but they're not going searching for them. They're not looking for them, and it's not considered to be a grave offense to be caught with them. So in such a case, as long as they can be used somewhere else, even where that's not where you plan to go, it still is considered currency and you could deconsecrate. When, when Rav Nachman qualified the position of Shmuel, he's talking about a situation where it is a grave offense to be caught with this, and therefore, in such a case, unless you yourself are planning imminently to go there, you cannot use it as currency. That's the difference between the two that one wants to say. Let's see it inside. He says as follows. In our case, we're talking about that the monarchs aren't as makbid, all right, on one another. They're not so uh, 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 mockbit on one another. And therefore, even though it's disqualified, but you know, you have it, it's not a big deal. 
But Shmuel's case is talking about where you're not allowed to have it in your possession. They are a makpid zu Alright? So now Akmar says like this, one second. If you're not even allowed to have it, right, and because it's, it's, it's a crime to have it, then how could this guy, you could say, oh, he could do it and take it over there. How's he going to get it over there if you're not allowed to be in possession of it? So, uh, how could he have it and, and take it there if you're, if you're not allowed to even have it? Someone says no. It, with difficulty, you could hide it and you could take it. What do you mean? They're not, they're not investigating. They're not going to look who has it or not. If you get found with it, then you have a problem. If you're there, but, but, if you, but they're not looking for it. So therefore, with difficulty, you can get it to that place. So we're saying it's like this. Where there's no, they're not that mockbid and you can possess it and they're not going to take it away from you. So then, as long as you can get it to the, any place, you don't have to be going there. It's still considered local currency. It's, it's like local currency because you can use it somewhere else. You can deconsecrate on it. But if they are mocked, but you're not allowed to be in possession of it, in such a case, unless imminently you plan on going there, I, how are you going to get it if you're not supposed to have it? Because they don't search for it. If you're found with it, it's a problem. So you're not going to show it off. You're not going to bring it out. You'll keep it hidden in your suitcase. And when you get there, but there only is considered to be currency. If you're planning on going there, we're not going to make a person have to deviate and go right out of the edge, go there, and be holding on to this thing that he's nervous about holding on to. We won't be allowing that to be used as currency to deconsecrate the Mizashani under that circumstance. So therefore, so with difficulty you can get it there. So low bakshi, they're not investigating, they're not searching after it. But in mashka, but if they do find mashka chikab, they'll be upset. Okay, let's keep going. Toshima, come and listen. If you're let's say in Eretz Yisrael and uh, you and and you want to deconsecrate, it doesn't say where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. You want to deconsecrate your miser sheni on coins of Eretz Yisrael, but you have it in Bavel. Means your house in Bavel, you have money, but it's Yisrael Dika money. So you want to deconsecrate the payros on Israeli coins, but where are those coins located right now? In Bavel. Or shall Bavel, or you have, you're in Israel right now, and what coins do you have? You have Babylonian coins, but what locale are you on? You're in an Israeli locale, you're in Eretz Yisrael, Khan. Right? So either way, if the coins don't match the locale, you cannot deconsecrate Mizashani onto it. Shall Babel behind Babel? Now let's say you want to deconsecrate on Babylonian coins and you're in Babylonia, we're going to see, Lachar, at the end of the day, these coins have to get to your Shalayim. So what difference does it make if it's Babylonian coins? We'll see. But if it's Babylonian coins and you're in Babylonia, Mechalin, you can go ahead and deconsecrate. So again, so coins are in Israel, are Babylonian. Or your coins are in Babylonia and the Israeli coins cannot use it. The coins have to match the locale. So as the Gemara Khtanimiya, we see nevertheless from this Brysa that Ain Khan You cannot use Israeli coins if you're in Babel. Even though the point the coins in Babel you're planning to take to your Shalayim doesn't matter. If in the locale that you're in it's not the same as that locale, you cannot use it. So it's a kash avagab the sofa the maze even though you plan on going up to your Shalayim. So therefore it's a kash on Rav Nachman, who was quoting, was explaining Shmuel. You see from here that even where you're planning to go, to where you want to go with it, the coins have to match the locale. This is like, this is like Rav Shita. 
When it says, What we're talking about is that these coins, where you are, they are makbid. You're not supposed to be having these coins. Since you're not supposed to be having these coins, they're makbid zu So therefore, in this case, that's why you cannot use them for deconsecration, because they are makbid on one another. So Mara says like this, and therefore, since they're makbid on them, and in such a case, you, you cannot count it as, low, as currency, even though it could be used somewhere else, but because there is the strong, and, in, and, and Rashi throws in, and, in, and it's talking about a case where they're looking after, they're investigating, and, they're, and, it, and it's, it could be a, a, a serious offense to have it, we don't allow you to put my sashani on such coins. So why is it like this? Okay, one second. So the case, but what about the third case? Babylonian coins in Bavel. I understand it's currency, but where do you plan on spending it? You're taking it up to Yerushalayim. So therefore, how could you go ahead and use it if they don't allow you to take in Yerushalayim Babylonian coins? So what it says like this. What are they fit for? So what it says like this. No, I'll tell you what the case is. The case he's talking about, the guy has 20 tons of wheat. To get 20 tons of wheat to Yerushalayim from Bavel is going to be very difficult. But what he could do is transfer it onto coins. And you know what he could do with those coins? You're right, he can't take them. Because Babylonian coins, in this case, cannot be taken to Yerushalayim. But he could buy animals with them. And the animals are easier to transfer. That's why we allow it to work. The Zavin Bahu Behema, he can buy animals, a Mosik Yerushalayim, and that he can take to Yerushalayim. Says the more like this. We learned in a brisa. His skinu. The more the brisa says like this is that because so many people were coming from all over the world to Yerushalayim for the Shalosh Regalim, they made a takana that on some level the currency of Yerushalayim was universal. They had to accept all currencies. So ask the Mosa, how could you tell me they wouldn't accept Babylonian coins in Yerushalayim? The takana was you have to take all coins in Yerushalayim. I, the Chorav Yerushalayim. They should all money should be accepted in Yerushalayim. because of this reason that people are coming from all over the world. So I'm Lokasha. Depends who's in charge. In one case, we're talking about that the Jews are in charge. When the Jews are in charge, where it's, out, it's under our authorities, then we can make a takana, take any coins. All right? uh, there's a we're on top of the umasa olam in the running of Yerushalayim. All right? Khan, but in the case where they did not allow Babylonian coins to Jerusalem, that's about Yerusha olam, takifa al-atzman, they are the ones in charge on the, over themselves, and therefore they dictate to us, and they said we cannot use any coins, only the coins that they wanted in Jerusalem. Let's just finish up. Tan Rabbonin. What was the Yerushalmi coins, the special coins that they used in Jerusalem? What was the common currency of Yerushalayim? David and Shlomo on one side, and Yerushalayim and Yerushalayim and the holy city on the other side. Says Rashi, it's David and Shlomo, the names, not the pictures. Because Rashi says you're not allowed to imprint a picture of a human being on metal. And therefore, it's their names were on one side and Yerushalayim on the other side. And what was the coin in the time of Avram Avinu? It's Avram Avinu was a melech. 
and there were coins printed in his time, all right, and also in Yitzchak Avinu's time. And what were the coins then? Zaken v'skenu mitzad echad. There was a, uh, an old man, an old woman on one side, u'bachar b'sula mitzad acher, and a young man and a young woman on the other side. Says Tosfos, again, who are they? Rashi says it's Avram and Sarah on one side, and Yitzchak and Rivka on the other side. Says Tosfos, I can't do pictures. No, it was the word. Zaken, Zakena, the words were written on one side, and Bachar and Basula, the words were written on the other side. Gentlemen, have a good day. Why would he be?